I mean, the reason you like Mordecai so much is because you're you're a very religious man. So religious, like so so incredibly religious. Yeah. So absolutely, like whenever people see you on the street, they'll be like, "See that guy." To the extent where they call me religious Bryce, you know, because that's just yeah. That's just who you are. So I can see why you gravitated. Uh, especially like the anti-undertaker you're like no he's a dead man no oh there's only one man that could could rise from the dead and it ain't the undertaker <laughs> hey guess what it's time for making kayfabe with your hosts bryce and dylan greetings one and all it's making kayfabe here and insert crafty little line here to open up the show it's your good friend bryce and dylan here to take you through another rebooking of a glaring wasted opportunity in pro wrestling but First of all, it's very important we find out. Dylan, how are you? I'm all right, man. Thanks for asking. I couldn't have wished for better news. That's great. You focused on uh, Sean O'Hare last week, which has been phenomenally well received. Um, yeah, dude. People seem to, to dig it, which is really that's really nice. And I think it shows that there, you know, there was a following for Sean O'Hare. There really is. Like since since you know his his unfortunate passing away. There's been a lot of people talking about how he was so underrated and he could have done something. They, they should have done something more with him. And um, I think that comes out from the response we've had to, to the R episode. They should have. And like it's, it, those those videos we put on the Twitter, you know, in the, in the kind of last last week or so about Sean O'Hare and just the vignettes and the promos he was cutting just about, you know, you need to uh, advising you to cheat on your wife or, or don't do your taxis or break the law and stuff like that. And it's just like the guy had such a great way of talking. And it's, it's a damn shame. Like um, he's, he's a huge missed opportunity from that kind of 2003, 2004 era. And um, segue today. I'm going to be picking up another pro wrestler from that period who also has been linked with the question, what if he was given a chance? So, so a few weeks ago, um, pro- probably a month ago, actually, we ran a poll on our Twitter page, at Making Kayfabe, to settle a bet between ourselves. I went through this in last week's episode briefly, but the, the question was, who was the biggest of what could have been from the Ruthless Aggression Era Smackdown? So it was between Sean O'Hare and Mordecai, which O'Hare won, but Mordecai was a close second, so... That's who I'm going to be covering today. I'll take you through some some brief history of the Mordecai character, uh, tell you how I'd rebook him, and then maybe, if you're lucky, we might play a little bit of kayfabe tombola at the end of the episode. I'm very excited. Tell me, Dylan, what, what do you remember about Mordecai? Do, do you remember Mordecai? Yes, I do remember Mordecai. I remember Mordecai because he, he came in in 2003, right? Uh, 2004, I believe. 2004. All right, well... That was kind of the time that I wasn't really watching wrestling a whole lot. But I, for some reason, I think maybe my brother bought it or something. I, I can't remember. But I remember I had in my possession a copy of the old WWE magazine mm. that they used to do. And there was a write-up about Mordecai in there. And I'm like, who the fuck is Mordecai? Yeah. It sounds like I, I, I got off the boat at the right time before it hit the iceberg. <laughs> Boy... Was I wrong? A lot more icebergs to be hit by that boat. Um, <laughs> boy, they, they were at, uh, at some point they were just driving straight towards the fucking icebergs. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I think it's yes, ironic. I, I, uh, sorry, I think it's ironic you saw them in WWE magazine because like these uh, these writers tend to write their magazine articles like three months in advance. So by the time he was in the magazine, he was probably already off TV and never to be seen again. Yeah, because he didn't stick around for too long. I hear. Um, yeah. I remember. In the in the magazine, they talked about him fighting Scotty Too Hotty. So I'm like, well, already this guy is a big deal because he beat 
legendary wrestler Scotty Tuhati. Now I love Scotty Tuhati, but also nobody's nobody is looking at a victory over Scotty Tuhati as a as a major point in their career, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's uh he's always a good way to debut, but yeah, he's um he, he didn't do much. I, I was um I, like 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 you I was a big fan of the Mordecai character uh, as a kid and uh, I was I was disappointed when he disappeared so quickly uh, I just kind of thought he was cool as fuck you know he he was basically and we'll touch on this in the episode the anti Undertaker which in itself is a is a pretty cool idea but I, I've been I've been in a little bit of doubt about this episode because I'm not uh, I'm worried that not many people will remember Mordecai but for those of you who are tuning in I genuinely believe that I've got a hell of a story for the characters so there's no turning back now so should I go into a little bit of a uh, history for Mordecai yeah I mean the reason you like Mordecai so much is because you're you're a very religious man so religious like so so incredibly religious yeah so absolutely like whenever people see you on the street they'll be like see that guy that to, to the extent religious. where they, to the extent where they call me religious Bryce, you know, because that's just, yeah, that's just who you are. So I can see why you gravitated, uh, especially like the anti Undertaker. You're like, no, he's a dead man. No, oh, there's only one man that could could rise from the dead, and it ain't the Undertaker. <laughs> so, <laughs> where to begin with the character? It's a. Uh, this is going to be the one, one of the most brief roundups because, <laughs> in actual fact, he was only around for like three months because Ke- Kevin Fertig, the guy who played him, was sent back to de- developmental. So, so how did the Mordecai character come about? So, in an interview with uh, Fightful, Kevin Fertig claimed that he pitched the idea of the character directly to Vince McMahon. Uh, apparently, the character was originally meant to be called Malaki. But that was the only thing that changed from his pitch. He wanted he wanted Malaki to be a religious zealot, a weirdo kind of character, which is kind of exactly what Mordecai became. Uh, Vince loved the idea. He gave it the green light instantly after seeing uh, him cutting a promo backstage for, for his character. So on the 15th of April... 2004 SmackDown, Vigenette started to air for Mordecai. It, it had him dressed all in white in a dark room surrounded by lit candles and like ornate crosses, etc. An example of the stuff he said in his promos was, um, you can't hide your darkest thoughts from me, your twisted fantasies that dwell in the back of your mind. You're perverted, you're sick of mind, you're sinful. You know who you are. Hear me, fear me. For the day of judgment draws near. In other promos, he claimed to be the right hand of the father and said that he would punish evildoers. Cool. So the first sight of the character was at a SmackDown house show in Oklahoma on 24th of April 2004, where he debuted and he beat Paul London in a squash. Mordecai went on a brief house show run, defeating Paul London another two times, Shannon Moore two times, and finally the legendary Funaki. He made his debut at the Judgment Day 2004 pay-per-view in a classic, as you mentioned, five-star match against Scotty Tuhari. They put that on pay-per-view? Yeah, it's Judgment Day. Good God. What was, what, what, so that was Scotty Tuhari's Judgment Day, was it? There you go, it was his Judgment Day. Yeah, basically it was a total squash match. Um, It lasted um, three three minutes, two seconds. And the guy... Yeah, Scott Scotty hung in there for a good three minutes and just, you know, unfortunately he couldn't couldn't overcome the you know, the powers of Mordecai. But so when Mordecai came out, he came out to really ominous, kind of like anxiety inducing music. He had a, a big fucking staff thing that when he hit it on the ground there was like pyro and like fire and shit. 
he was dressed in all white, which I guess was to show his purity. But to the extent where he got like his hair, his beard, and even his eyebrows bleached white, he was wearing blue contact lenses. He said a prayer before um, before the match begun, just down in the corner. He had a vicar's collar on his attire. His finisher was like the razor's edge, so like a crucifix style power bomb. And when he wins, he looks up to the heavens. So it's basically like extremely clear what his gimmick was you know there was there was even a sign in the crowd which said mordecai equals ratings which uh, <laughs> that was you yeah that was me right there like little, little 12 year old price just uh <laughs> cheering for mordecai um yeah it wasn't the case he, he was never ratings unfortunately but basically uh basically the character's inception uh, it was clear to everyone who watched wrestling for more than five minutes uh, that Mordecai was being built to be uh, fodder for the Undertaker. Um, this was picked up on by Brian Alvarez on the 9th of May Figure 4 Weekly, where he said, if the idea is to feed him quickly to Undertaker, they may as well just release him from his contract now and save themselves the trouble. Huh. So I think it's it's worth noting at this point that Kevin Fertig, the man, the guy who played Mordecai, was really into the character. Like He, he, he almost like lived the gimmick. Like He would travel to and from shows wearing only white, just in case like a fan saw him or something. And like he would snarl at fans who tried to get an autograph from him. Like A fun fact about Kevin Fertig himself that I found out is that his father in real life was an actual minister who like preached all this like fire and brimstone and all that fun stuff. Anyway, he was he was really into his gimmick and he came up with the nickname the Pale Rider for himself. Ironically, he was actually quite tan, so he wasn't even that pale. But at the Great American Bash 2004, he beat Hardcore Holly. I thought it was weird. Fuck yeah. <laughs> he's going up from Scotty to Holly all the way to Hardcore Holly, all the way. <laughs> well, this guy's a well, he's he's I think he's ready for the Undertaker right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> the next logical step. Good God. <laughs> I, I I thought it was weird putting someone who's meant to be a heel against Hardcore Holly because like by that time in 2004 everyone knew Hardcore Holly was a cunt. It was post um, Tough Enough Free, which had the Matt Capitelli incident. Mm. I don't know if you remember that, where yeah. Holly basically like beat the shit out of him for no reason, you know. Um, I, I don't know if anyone actually liked uh, old old Bob Holly after that. And like, well, well, wasn't this? Didn't in 2004 isn't that when he came back from his um, neck injury? Like, didn't Brock Lesnar like break his fucking neck? I think and it then... was early. To, you're actually right. I think it was early 2004 because it was a Royal Rumble, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think he was. He probably had some like sympathy, but that's that's still like months away from Judgment Day, I guess. Like, I don't see how he could have you know ridden that sympathy train for that long. Exactly. This is a Great American Bash. This is like a July, I think. I've not actually got a date here, but yeah, I just I don't know, like. Hardcore Holly, like as a as a wrestling trainee myself, who is uh, progressing pretty well without having the the shit kicked out of me for no reason. Now I think it's fair that nobody liked him, you know. Anyway, in the match they done a chin lock spot for so long that the fans started booing, and that's the only <laughs> thing I've known. <laughs> that was the only thing that happened, and like in the in the later appearances in SmackDown, he, he condemned the audience for their sins and led them in prayer. His final appearance was on the June 29 SmackDown in a four-minute loss to Cruiserweight Champion Rey Mysterio, not even a week after his victory over the legendary Hardcore Holly, and in his third ever televised match. Oh so, yeah, so you know, a loss in four minutes to a guy who's like a foot shorter than him, 150 pounds lighter. You know, it wasn't going to get better from there, and, and and that was it. The character was no more after that. Never seen or heard from since that day, and just under three months after he debuted, um, 
in, in, the, in the 12th of July, Figure Four Weekly, and by the way, the Figure Four Weekly has been great for research in SmackDown in 2004, uh, Alvarez reported that they have already given up on him and he's been sent back to Ohio Valley. Alvarez also, just as a, as a sidebar, like I wrote this one down because Alvarez, they also had a, an interesting take on um, on these kind of bigger guys getting called up to the main roster from OVW, which was uh, WWE's kind of developmental territory, the NXT of 2004. And I feel it's I feel it's relevant, especially like leading on from your episode about Sean O'Hare last week. So what what Alvarez wrote was he, he said the um, the worst thing that ever happened to WWE was big muscle head Brock getting called up. Because even though he wasn't ready yet, he was a freak of nature and became an enormous superstar in a very short period of time. I think Vince and the writing crew got the idea that they could do the same thing with all the other muscleheads down there. And lightning has yet to strike twice. And I hope nobody in WWE is putting the blame on OVW for all these failures. Because if they are, they deserve to go out of business. Which is an interesting take, because you had, um, you think back to 2004, 2003, 2005, that's a very weird order to say those dates, but you have, <laughs> you got you got Mordecai, who went nowhere, you got Sean O'Hare, who went nowhere, you've got guys like um, like Gene Snitsky, you've got like, um, God, who else, like, Heidenreich, uh, yeah, my boy Heidenreich, you've got, like, fucking Matt Morgan, he went nowhere, yeah, like, yeah. remember him? It's it's just uh, you know, all, all these big guys who came up, done nothing, and then went away. There's probably even more. There's probably more out there. That, even if you if you look back at SmackDown roster, but Viscera, Viscera, oh yeah, he he went he went for miles. You know that's. Oh, but then, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like he like whenever he came in, people like they called him up and they're like immediately, this is our guy. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is the guy who's going to lead us into the future. <laughs> this is the second coming of Kurt Angle, this guy. <laughs> this Viscera guy is the next Stone Cold, let me tell you. <laughs> he is going to... Viscera, would you like to wear white clothes and talk to Jesus? Because I think we've got, and we've got an angle for you. <laughs> I think he did. Did he not like wear like... I don't know if it was white, but he wore like a big like pajamas and stuff at the end of his career, if I remember right, because he was like the 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 love machine or something. I oh, remember. God's sake! Coming up next, they're making cafe viscera the love machine. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember Big Daddy V? Of course, I remember Big Daddy V with his big fucking tits. With his fucking tits hanging out. God damn it! <laughs> that's all. Like that's seriously that's all anybody can say about big daddy v it's like well his tits were hanging out yeah because they're so fucking blatant and like yeah he was he was a very overweight man i think anyway (laughs) anyway that's mordecai (laughs) enough about viscerous tits all right so wow we'll see about that mordecai um that's kevin thorne right uh it was yeah and that's actually where he went into so he um it resurfaced, um, you know, around around 2000 and, uh, 2006-ish for the for the WWE version of ECW under, the, under Vampire Gimmick. In the new ECW. Yeah. Mm, boy, we should we should talk about that sometime. Yeah, we should we should go on a podcast and talk about that at some point. Yeah. Hey, hey sweet Chen Wang, how are you doing? <laughs> you, now you guys owe us like twenty pounds. Yeah. It was, already, it was already like ten, but you know now we just uh, it's up to twenty nine. Yeah, we uh, put our rates up. We're pros, you know. 
Yeah, hell yeah. But it, it was in ECW and he'd done the whole like um kind of vampire gimmick, the the gangrel gimmick there, and he had his um his manager, like vampire lover, Shelly Martinez. And I, I, that basically went nowhere either. <laughs> mm. But he later um he later brought the Mordecai character back for a run on the indie circuit until about two thousand uh, from, from about two thousand and ten until quite recently. His last recorded match as Mordecai was a losing effort in a match in January two thousand eighteen for for the Right Coast Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Title Good, okay. against Gene Snitsky, of all people. <laughs> oh my goodness! So there you go. It's a, a proper revival of like 2004-2005 WWE. But and if you look at Mordecai WWE on YouTube, there's footage of an indie match he had against Hornswoggle, who must plague me for every episode I do for Making Kayfabe. God's sake. But yeah, I, I think it's a shame the character went nowhere. So I, I want to go into like what I would do to make a success out of Mordecai. Like, is there anything you want to touch on before we dive in? No, I want to hear the story. All right, here we go. It's, it's a good one. Let me tell you, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got a lot planned for the guy. Let's go into it. So, what should have happened? So I, I do believe. WWE were somewhat on the right course for booking Mordecai before they gave up on him after like three matches. Like whenever you have any big guy, like Mordecai was, he was six foot three, two seventy, debuting on the main roster. A proven way to get them over is to feature them against less important mid, lower mid card kind of workers. Although you don't want to just like make them meaningless squash matches, like a you know like a Ryback or like a Braun Strowman. You want to attach some semblance of a story to it. So. I'd keep his debut the same, keep the vignettes, keep the squash against Scotty Too Hotty. It doesn't really matter who he's squashing at Judgment Day because it's um it's his it is Judgment Day, which is relevant to the brief promo I've had. I, I would have Mordecai cut after the squash match. So after after he beat Scotty Too Hotty, you would have him say, "This is Judgment Day," but the Judgment Day for sinners of WWE is not going to last a single day. 2004 will be the year of judgment, and I Mordecai. I will see fit to do the Lord's justice and bring every miscreant to judgment. Hear me, fear me, for your day of judgment. And he like points at the camera, draws near. And so you know what you do? You have Mordecai actively seeking out the sinners on the WWE SmackDown roster in 2004. And by golly, you can find a lot of sinners on WWE SmackDown roster in 2004. But hear me out. We, we know the guy was destined for Undertaker, but you don't want to just send the guy straight to Undertaker as much as a great, uh, as much as a great logical step, Scotty to Hotty, Hardcore Holly, that Undertaker is. You know, you've got to build him up. You've got to establish like kind of mini feuds where the guy, where his goal every time is basically to make these uh, miscreants atone for their sins. So, so he starts small. I think the ideal target for Mordecai in his first feud is a guy who was on the SmackDown roster in 2004, but was never really used much. Do you remember Shannon Moore? I was really hoping you were going to say Scotty Too Hotty. Yeah, just right, right back to Scotty Too Hotty. Yeah, <laughs> and then have Scotty win. Yeah, um, and then that's yes, the end of the guy. I do remember Shannon Moore. Yeah. Oh, the guy was um, Shannon Moore. He's a a pretty sound kind of high flying wrestler between like between 2004 2005. He was mainly in the cruiserweight division, but he had a, a brief run as a follower of Matt Hardy. But n- none of that relates to why he's Mordecai's first victim. So, do you know why he goes after Shannon Moore? Because of the because, tattoos. Yep, exactly. You're, you're you're you've done your research. He has got tattoos. It's because oh, yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, <laughs> I know that he's got tattoos. Great research, Dylan. So, <laughs> so you see, Dylan, I did my research for this, 
and in the Bible, the Holy Bible, the Book of God, there is a verse by Leviticus. It's uh, Leviticus 19.28 to be exact. And it says, and I quote, Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print marks upon you. I am the Lord. Shannon yeah. Moore. Dude, famously, you know, if you have tattoos, you can't get um, buried in a, in a Jewish cemetery. Really? So you're, you're, yeah, because of that line in the Bible. So if you're Jewish and have um, tattoos, um, they won't bury you in that cemetery, in a Jewish cemetery. You have done your research. I didn't even know that. That's yeah. As far as I know, that's true there because of that line in the Bible. So there you go. Happy days. So Sh- Shannon not, Moore. Not happy days for the guys well, with tattoos. You can't get buried. Oh yeah, exactly. But I mean, they're dead. Like I mean, they don't, <laughs> they don't really care, right? <laughs> Shannon Moore, famously covered in tattoos, as you said, from head to toe. Hence, printing marks upon himself. He is a sinner. So for for a couple or like a few weeks, you have Mordecai come out and stand like. Ominously at the top of the entrance ramp, oh, Shannon Moore has like short matches in SmackDown. Like whenever the match is over, Mordecai he went to the ring and he'll lead over Moore because um, before Moore escapes, uh, because this only happens after a match which you know the, the guy has just spent his energy on. There's there's no chance he's going to do anything against a monster like Mordecai after like a competitive wrestling match. So eventually they'll meet you the next pay-per-view, which I believe at this point is a Great American Bash, and Mordecai will just fuck him up basically, like a big, a big old squasheroo. But have Mordecai go the extra mile here. So after all, he doesn't want to just beat Shannon Moore. He wants him to atone for his sins. This is his judgment day. So he does the thing where you know he's like got the guy beat, but the referee counts to two, and then Mordecai like lifts his head up, he stops pinning him. And it's just so he can inflict more punishment. And he does this like three or four times. And every time he does, he shouts Leviticus 19.28 at Moore. He shouts, you shall not make any cuttings on your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. And this this would be good for getting over the character as a legitimate kind of crazy religious zealot. Um, he's so he's so purpose in the world just to make sinners repent. And, and then give Shannon Moore like two or three months off to sell the beating because it's time for Mordecai to move on to his next sinner. But who is it? For his next victim, I'm going to go right back to the Bible, that famous book, the Bible, and reference Mark 12.31, Luke 6.31, and most importantly, Psalm 82.4. So Mark 12.31 says, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Luke 6.31 says, do to others as you would have them do to you. And the important one, Psalm 82.4, rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hands of the wicked. Mordecai is now going to focus on Hardcore Holly. Yay! So I, I touched on it briefly earlier where I said like, I always thought it was weird that WWE put him against Hardcore Holly, who's a you know, bit of a cunt. But th- this is where we give like his character a bit of depth. You know, Maybe he's not just specifically evil. You know, He's not the one-dimensional character who WWE brought up from developmental to die. So he's not 100% a heel. He genuinely understands what's right and wrong, and he knows that Hardcore Holly is um, infamously a bully. So based on plenty of stories about him, and most recently at the time, the, the uncalled-for ass-kicking he gave to poor Matt Capitelli, I mean, like, you know what they say about the best bad guys in movies and TV, right? The bad guys who are hailed as a, like the best of all time are the ones who you can understand, like they may be like a bastard, but you know what he's doing makes complete sense, and you kind of like begrudgingly have to accept it, and that's what makes a good a, a good bad guy basically. 
So Mordecai, as per Sam 82.4, is going to rescue the weak and the needy, so which is Matt Capitelli and the others who are bullied, and deliver them from the hand of the wicked, which of course is hardcore Holly. And he does basically the same thing with Holly that he did with Shannon Moore. Every time hardcore Holly has a match in SmackDown, who's out there watching it live, it's Mordecai. But unlike Shannon Moore, when, when Mordecai enters the ring to confront Holly, Holly fights back. I've never been a fan of the guy, but I feel that his character wouldn't just let Mordecai punk him out, you know, he'd fight back. So for a few weeks, this happens with Holly fighting back and Mordecai kicking his ass to the delight or the the hatred of the fans, however you kind of feel about it. It leads to the match at the next pay-per-view, which would have been SummerSlam 2004. And that's where you have Mordecai and Hardcore Holly go into like a big brawl. I'm talking like all over the arena kind of thing, like, not, not quite year 2000 hardcore championship kind of shenanigans, but they, they should properly like slug it out all over the building. And it's basically to establish Mordecai as a man who um, is able to like pick on someone his own size, but still come out on top. So it establishes him as one tough cookie, basically. So, And again, like similarly to the pay-per-view, the last pay-per-view even, he, ha- he has Holly beat, but refuses to pin him. He's shouting the Sam 82-4 at him repeatedly. Rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked, until eventually Holly passes out or something, and, and Mordecai pins him eventually. So, so from here, you, you can basically, you can run with this formula for a long time. Like, uh, like I said, there, there's plenty of sinners, so to speak, in WWE at this point. Like, for more examples of who Mordecai could feud with, you could have, like, the Ultimo Dragon or Rey Mysterio. They both wear masks, so they could each be, like, a false prophet, a wolf in sheep clothings, uh, Matthew 17. You could have Booker T, famously an ex-convict. Isaiah 61.8 says, For I, the Lord, love justice, I hate robbery and wrong. You could even have him feud with Carlito, who spits a, who spits a mouthful of apple into people's faces. He wastes food, to which John 16.2 <laughs> says, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So, like, if you want I to go down that road, you can. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, he was conceited, like he had an ego, you know, like selfishness is... Uh... They don't like that in the Bible, but no, you're like, no, he's he's wasting food. <laughs> he's wasting that apple. No one's gonna eat that apple now. He's been spat out of his mouth. <laughs> Tommy Tommy Dreamer would eat that apple. He would if you if you paid him to. You're right. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> but I think the I think the storyline which could make Mordecai into that top star would be one with the the much loved Eddie Guerrero. So I, I thought it was um, interesting that you focused on Eddie Guerrero for Sean O'Hare last week as well, because like um, I think it's uh, it's relevant to include him in this as well. So Eddie Guerrero, like I fucking love the guy, and to this day he's probably like my top five of all time. But although he did obviously clean himself up and become the legend he's known as today, his his drinking problems are kind of well documented. Like in 2001, he was fired by WWE after being arrested for drink driving and. Um, and he himself, he was very open about his drug use and how this um, basically spiralled his life out of control because of it. Like I read his autobiography and he talks about it kind of in depth there. So, but also like even more interestingly, especially in relation to Mordecai, what's also well documented about Eddie is that he found God. Eddie was a he was a very religious man uh, in the final kind of years of his life, and there, there's hundreds of stories out there about wrestlers going to Eddie for help, and then he'd read them like a a relevant relevant Bible verse for the situation, which makes him the perfect target for Mordecai. So, Peter five eight, be alert and of sober mind. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. By this time, we're past Eddie's WWE title run. We've had his feud with JBL, and he's, he's ready to go out and take another feud on, basically. So Mordecai zeroes in on Eddie. At the 2005 Royal Rumble, the person who drew number one was Eddie Guerrero. I think the obvious thing to do here would be ha- to have Mordecai enter the Rumble, have a fair showing by tossing out a few superstars over the top rope, and then have him eliminated by Eddie. So we've seen it before, but it works perfectly. Mordecai would then re-enter the ring, attack Eddie from behind, and make sure he gets eliminated, because the Royal Rumble, famously, are no DQ. In, in real life again, and we do love to tie real life shit into making KF as much as possible, on the SmackDown following the 2005 Royal Rumble, which is February 3, 2005, Eddie Guerrero lost a 19-minute match to Booker T, in which was a tournament to decide the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championships. So how did he lose in my storyline? obviously with Mordecai and Mordecai interference. So Mordecai interferes in the match. Notably, he doesn't attack Booker T because as we've covered just there, he's already made Booker T repent for his sins. He needs a new victim and that's Eddie. He attacks Eddie in the ring. He cuts a promo on him, touching on how Eddie has recently found God. He says, so this is a promo we've written from. So he says, the Lord is aware that you have found him recently, but the Lord is also aware that Mordecai has found and followed him from birth. Eduardo, you're trying to follow God, but the devil still prowls within you. You must atone for your sins like everybody else. You must meet your judgment day. Again, Peter 5 in the Bible says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So it becomes Mordecai's mission to beat the devil out of Eddie Guerrero. You could um, you could do loads with him, providing Eddie would be happy to go full in on it kind of thing. But maybe you can show him maybe Eddie doubting his devotion to God or now that he's faced with like a crazy religious zealot who has memorized the Bible page to page. Maybe Mordecai tries to tempt the devil out of him by like leaving drink in his locker room or doing evil things like pouring whiskey over the like over the interior of his lowrider or something like so, you know, it's all you can smell. You could even have, you can go full on crazy and have like a barroom brawl or something with the issue at hand here. So I think uh, realistically, Eddie would have to win that feud because it would get a, because of how, um, you know, his real life is and stuff. But it it would get a prominent spot at a pay-per-view. The next of which would be No Way Out 2004. In real life, all Eddie did was face the fucking Basham brothers. So I think if it's done right, Eddie Guerrero versus Mordecai could be uh, the semi-main event. And this, uh, this this basically has now established Mordecai as a solid upper mid-carder who can hang with the names like Eddie Guerrero, the names like Booker T, the names like Rey Mysterio, the names like Scotty Tuhati, you know, all the names. But that leads us into March of 2005, where a certain undead man is in the middle of cementing a pretty impressive WrestleMania streak. So... So it's always been said, and we touched on it earlier, like Mordecai, he was made to fight Undertaker at some point, but knowing WWE, if they actually do it, um, they'd have done it far too soon. So at the time, Undertaker was begging for credible opponents. Side note again, um, at at the pay-per-view, I just noted there, No Way Out 2005, Undertaker defeated Luther fucking Reigns in a singles match. Remember him? Wow. So there's another big guy who came onto the main roster and done fuck all. But yeah, I, I'm pretty certain that if WWE had their way, they'd have thrown Mordecai to Undertaker before he's anywhere near ready, and then he'd job out and never be heard from again. So 
half of which did happen, I suppose. But right now you've got Mordecai, who's established with wins over big names and only one loss in a hard-fought match with the legendary Eddie Guerrero. This is the opponent Undertaker needs going into WrestleMania. So we're finally going to get it. Undertaker versus Mordecai. Anyway, I'm, I'm almost I'm almost done here, but the way the way you build the story is the way you explain Mordecai only now coming for Undertaker after almost a year in the company is you tell the story that Mordecai was originally terrified of Undertaker when he came to WWE. That's why I hadn't targeted him yet because Mordecai he's read Isaiah twenty six nineteen which states, "Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise." You who dwell in the dust, awaken and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Isaiah 26, 19. So also, basically, the Bible actually talks about fucking zombies if you Google hard enough. So that's that's pretty cool. The Bible but is wild, dude. There's like, a lot of crazy shit going on in there, right? Dude, like, you have no idea. Well, you do, because you read most of it by the signs of it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Some of that stuff in that Bible, you're like, whoa, they don't talk about this in church. Hello. Yeah, that, that is literally what zombies are talking about. Like, they're talking about the dead coming back to life. So, but, aye, but now he's not as scared because he has, like, many, he, he's made many sinners to the WWE repent. He's, he's wised up and he claims that his Lord Jesus Christ is the only man, as you mentioned earlier, Dylan, the only man who has risen from the dead and the Undertaker is a fraud. So now Mordecai realizes what he must do. He must make the Undertaker repent. And there you have it. What what Mordecai could have been. Like I don't suggest Mordecai going on to beat WrestleMania, uh, sorry, beat the WrestleMania streak of the Undertaker, but again, you gotta put him in that featured match, and he will be over by this stage because you know, having a match with a Taker at WrestleMania will only do more for him. Mordecai could have been something, man. Um, you know, I'm honestly gutted that the character was scrapped, but Hey, WWE's fuck ups uh, make good content for making kayfabe. So, mm. yeah, what what do you think? Well, they turned him into a vampire, so like that's pretty good, right? Uh, <laughs> like you know, what's it, what's the difference? Actually, vampire, um, religious zilla, you know, the same fucking. I gotta say, right? Um, I I had joked earlier about how you were a deeply religious man, and then. <laughs> You just like <laughs> come out here with all these Bible verses, and I'm like, shit, dude, is, is is Bryce really like super religious? Oh my god, you know, um, you've 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 done a lot of research. I gotta say, like that is impressive, and that that's the kind of thing that I would really have loved, because it's a little touch like that, you know, it's the kind of thing they didn't do in Mordecai. Like here's a religious guy, you know, and he doesn't do anything. Like who, that was he, it. That was his gimmick, a religious right. guy. That's just, it. it who gives a fuck about that, right? But if yeah. you have this guy in here and he's twisting words, you know, he's using the Bible to like um, justify his his own like you know mental state, and he's like, no, you're the sinner because you did this in the Bible. Like he can he can twist it and reference points and and stuff like that. It gives meaning behind like his motive and the reason he's doing all this shit. And like you said, it makes a really good contrast against the Undertaker. Yeah. Um. So like. The way you kind of like pitched it makes sense. I really like that with the Bible quotes and stuff. Because before this, the only other fucking guy who did it was Steve Austin. And he wasn't taking it seriously <laughs> at all. He no. was taking the piss. Yeah. That was Jake Roberts, right? He was um, yeah. Jake Roberts reading the Bible or something like that. I don't actually know the story, but yeah. It's, um... yeah you talk about John 316. Um because I believe Jake was going through a religious period at that point. Yeah. So, well, you know what John 316 says. 
Yeah, of course I do. It says, and you know, um, you know what Austin Cole is the greatest wrestler of all time, right, or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, he's like, watch out for zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, the Bible is fucking weird. It is a, it is a strange book, and like, um, it's funny you mentioned uh, Kevin Kevin Foreign because, um, and, and I was in two minds about including this bit or not, but I, I do have a a part of the story, maybe a year ahead or so, which links Mordecai to Kevin Fertig. He's over. He's, he's sorry to Kevin Foreign. He's he's over gimmick, uh, the vampire. I'm hesitant to go into it, but like, do, do you want to hear it? Well, do you want to say it, or do you want to keep it for a future episode? Ah, fuck it. We'll just say it. We'll give yeah. we'll give give the audience what they want. So I, I guess like my advice is that if you were um if you were satisfied with the ending to my Mordecai story, uh, maybe skip the next two minutes of the podcast because. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I said earlier, wherever I can, I try to like link my stories into real life happenings. So here's like a, what do you call it, an addendum or something, like to, to the Mordecai storyline, if you will. And this, this is a, this is how you transform Mordecai into a vampire. So, so you know how I had Mordecai stalking his opponents, like Shanamu, Harko, Holly, Eddie, like how he'd um, he'd always stand at the top of the ramp and and look down on their matches. Well. One day, Mordecai receives a note, and it says something to the effect of, like, you know, you like stalking people, huh? Try, try this on for size. And, and <laughs> <laughs> what a strange note to receive. <laughs> and he receives, like, a, these weird notes for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Somebody is now stalking Mordecai, which uh, is a turn up for the books, right? Anyway, like, when, I've not got the whole story, but when, when the big reveal, reveal comes, the stalker is revealed as Shelly Martinez, who in real life was Kevin Foreign's manager during his uh, WWE ECW runs. So it turns out that she too is a vampire. And without going into too much detail, I'm sure you've all seen the movies, but she turns Mordecai into a vampire, which leads to Kevin Foreign. So, yeah. Anyway, I go. thought that was a, a cool alternate ending that, that you could have done with Mordecai character. But... Anyway, do, do you fancy some um, some 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 tombola of the cafe variety, my friend? Hey, why not? You only live once, right? You only live once unless you're Jesus or the Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cafe tombola time! Yay! So, if this is your first time listening to our show. Uh, first of all, thank you, and we hope that you're enjoying it. Uh, but at the end of every episode, we, we, we play a little game called Kayfabe Tombola. So the rules of the game are that making Kayfabe co-host who isn't telling the story that week, which is Dylan this time, has to choose a number-letter combination from 1 to 4 and from A to D. Numbers 1 to 4 are wrestlers, letters A to D are situations, and whatever Dylan picks, whether it's 1A or 4C or 2B, whatever... He'll have 60 seconds to come up with a storyline that makes sense. So, without further ado, Dylan, could you could you please give me your best number-letter combination? Yes, I certainly could, Bryce. What's your best one? What, 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 what have you got for me? It's got to be 4D. 4D? Yeah, it's even better than 3D. Oh my god, okay. You can so, see through wood. Yeah, that's right, exactly. So... Instead of uh, instead of just wrestlers, I've gone with tag teams this week. Ooh. So, you know, mix it up a little bit. So who you could have had, who you could have had were the world's greatest tag team. Mm-hmm. Didn't get them. You could have had La Resistance. Okay. You didn't get them. You could have had Kai and Tai. <laughs> you okay. didn't get them. Who you did actually get 
And this is great because it leads on from what we were saying earlier. You got too cool. <laughs> the greatest wrestler of all time. The greatest wrestler. I'm Grandmaster Sexy. <laughs> there we go. We got there. <laughs> so you got too cool. The situations that you could have had. So you could have had A, which was recruit a third member. Who is it and why does it make sense? You didn't get that. You could have had B. Ends up having to shave Albert A Atri- or A Train's back. How does this come about? You didn't get that. You could have had C. Change their gimmicks to become the polar opposite of themselves. So, oh, like, okay, that would have been fucking sweet. But what you did choose oh, was no. too cool. Completely forget one important rule of wrestling, and chaos ensues. What is the rule they forget, and why does it happen? Okay. okay. This is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you are you ready? Yes. <laughs> you, you, you ready to go with that? You got one minute on the clock for me. I'm just getting a time warp right now, so use your use the next five seconds wisely. Let me let me let me just go over it real real quick, just so I'm so totally clear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, too cool. Do they just forget uh, an important rule in wrestling? Yeah, so one important rule in wrestling, basically. So it could be could be any any rule, but they forget it, uh, what it is, and the chaos ensues. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to fill a whole minute, but all right. You got this. Uh, 60 seconds. It's not a minute, it's only 60 seconds, so you're fine. Oh, that's all right. That's <laughs> like, fuck for that. Good God. Three, two, two cool. Completely forget one important rule of wrestling and chaos ensues. One, go. Okay, so two cool are a tag team, and they were in the Attitude Era, so we're going to have them have a uh, wrestling match against Edge and Christian, who are the tag team champions. Edge and Christian are like, we can beat you, we're not afraid of you, too cool. And um, But just to get the advantage over them, but backstage, Edge and Christian do the concerto, so they hit them both over the head with two chairs. And then they're like, alright, let's have the match now. So Edge and Christian come out, and they have their match. And uh, two cool come out, with bandages around their heads, and they start uh, having a tag team match. Scotty Duhati's in the ring and he's fighting Christian. Christian tags to Edge and then Scotty Duhati's like, "What the fuck? Would what would you just do? Is that, <laughs> you were you were smaller than that. What the what what the hell?" And he's pointing at Christian over there. He's like, "I want to fight that guy. What's this?" And and uh, what do you call him? Grandmaster's like, "Hey hey who 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 are you yelling at?" And Scotty's like, "Hey what's this guy?" And so the referee's like, "It's a tag team match. You have to tag in and out." And Scotty Duhati's like, "Tag team? What the fuck are you?" What? <laughs> this is a one-on-one match. Where, where is everybody looking at me? Uh, so Edge hits him with a spear exactly. and he pins him. And so that's the end of uh, Too Cool and their tag team championship run. That's, uh, it. that's the end. That's, that's oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, that was a hard one. That was a difficult one. You did really well with that. Like, forget <laughs> how, to, how to tag team wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, like, I don't think I explained it well. Because as soon as you said it, I'm like, well, obviously, they're a tag team who forget that they're a, what tag team wrestling is. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, how do I explain that properly? I don't know. We got there. We got there. You got there in the end, and uh, it's it's um, making kayfabe tempo is always always hard hard and stressful. So, you know, it's um, you done well with that, buddy. I like that. <laughs> it's uh, harder than it looks. That's it exactly. It's uh, we're 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 seasoned seasoned pros here. Like, don't don't try this at home. Is all we're saying. You know, don't yeah. try make uh, kayfabe tempo at home because injuries can ensue. And mistakes will. are real. Yeah, Bones exactly. can be broken. Exactly. We've made it to the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, thank you for listening. I 
I really do hope you enjoyed our Mordecai episode and if you did then well we've got um, more where that came from if you check your podcast app right now you'll find as many as as many as 12 other episodes to wrap your views around uh, including rebookings of the Kena masking storyline from 2003 the right to censor in the early 2000s the Vince McMahon exploding limo storyline from 2007 and uh, I even a feature that you yourself did recently on the AW women's division so which is I guess from like this year and maybe forever so <laughs> But, probably forever the way they're going <laughs> probably forever like even even um even to this day um well to this day it's like two weeks after the episode but still they're still not giving it much attention but hey you can check us out on twitter at making kayfabe so tweet us tell us let, let us know what your thoughts are about this episode We're, we've often got fun little kind of polls there as well which you can join in and we're always tweeting daily, so so come and join the conversation. And if you want as well, you can email us at makingkayfabe at gmail.com. But yeah, give us a shout anywhere. We, we, we'd be happy to hear from you. Next week, Dylan's going to be taking the reins and he's got a, a cracker of a storyline to go through. I can't wait for that. Dylan, have you got any actual clues for what's coming up next week? Yeah, I alluded to it earlier in the show. Oh, so it could be anything from Scotty to Hottie to... Gangrel. Right. <laughs> I don't even think I said Gangrel, did I? Although, uh, well, let, let, let's put it this way. It's not Scotty Duhati. So if you want a real clue for what it is is coming next week, go back and listen to the show again. Yeah. And then listen to it a third time. Yeah, there you go. And it's uh, it's not Scotty Duhati, so it could... Uh, it narrows it down anyway, so... But until then, we've been making kayfabe, you've been awesome, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.